Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Each week, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. This week, a giant genetic map of yeast reveals hidden links. Here's an interesting fact about yeast. Only one of every five genes is essential. If any of those critical genes is destroyed, the yeast cell dies. Remove one of the remaining genes and the yeast keeps going. But that's not always true if a pair of non-essential genes is removed. Sometimes when that happens, the yeast dies. In those cases, it's likely that both genes in the pair have similar roles. They might take out the cell's garbage or fix damaged DNA. Losing one might not be deadly because the other could pick up the slack. But losing both is fatal. Some researchers have wondered if the way genes pair with one another can reveal their function. Charles Boone and Brenda Andrews, biologists at the University of Toronto, began to ask themselves this question about 17 years ago. Say you know what one of the non-essential genes does in the cell. Destroying it kills the cell, but only if another mysterious gene is destroyed too. They wondered, can that pairing give clues to what the mystery gene does? To answer the question, Boone and Andrew set out to destroy all the genes in yeast two by two. Using yeast-growing robots, they created around 23 million strains of yeast, each missing a pair of genes. They watched whether the yeast lived, died, or got sick. In all, they found 550,000 pairs of genes that, when removed, result in sickness or death. This network of genetic connections reveals a previously hidden scaffolding that underlies the operation of the cell. Imagine looking at clusters of genes. One cluster deals with taking out the cell's garbage, another is responsible for its metabolism. If you zoom out from one cluster of genes, you'll find the ones involved in the larger process the cluster is nested in. Zoom out from those and you'll find all the clusters that function alongside them in the same compartment of the cell. Looking at life this way is dizzying. All the layers of complexity that let the organism thrive are there to look through, just as they were laid down by evolution. Beyond being beautiful, this bird's-eye view of the cell can tell us about its evolution. It might even explain how things go wrong in disease. Using maps of interactions between genes or proteins is a popular approach to understanding the cell. Many researchers are building networks made up of proteins that attach to each other or genes that regulate each other. But the scale of Boone and Andrew's study sets it apart. Also, their method shows connections that can't be made by other tests. David Botstein, a pioneer of gene mapping and a chief scientific officer at Google, calls it a magisterial undertaking. Marion Walhout, a systems biologist at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, recalls when Boone and Andrew's goal of knocking out all possible pairs of genes was floated years ago. People thought it was insane. She says even with today's advances in technology, their work is breathtaking. With this new information, researchers can look up genes and maybe find connections they've never noticed before. Botstein predicts that ability is going to be one of the major uses of Boone and Andrew's work. In October, the yeast biochemist Yoshinori Osumi won a Nobel Prize for his work on autophagy, the program destruction of pieces of the cell. Walhout says if he was doing that work now, he could make progress much more quickly by looking at this data and finding what genes interact with autophagy genes. 
For those of us who are not scientists, the research also reminds us that the cell is not as simple as it might seem. Just because a gene isn't one of the essential ones doesn't mean it's not important. It simply means that evolution built many overlapping systems into the cell. That way, if one part goes, the whole thing doesn't fall apart. For example, the cell has a couple of different pathways that it can use to repair DNA. Chad Myers, a computational biologist at the University of Minnesota and lead author on the Boone and Andrews paper, says neither one is essential. But, he adds, if you knock a single gene out in both of those pathways at the same time, you'll kill the cell. With both of those options for DNA repair gone, the cell can't keep going. It's also worth remembering that lab-grown yeast live a life of relative luxury with plenty to eat, a comfortable temperature, and so on. The removed pair of genes that killed these yeast were needed to keep them alive under these very specific circumstances. But flexibility is the issue in survival, Botstein says. You need the ability to switch between circumstances that are good or bad and not die. Yeast has evolved to survive many kinds of situations. It thrives on the surface of a Napa Valley grape. If a bird eats the grape and leaves droppings in the desert, the yeast can survive there too. If the experiments were repeated in circumstances outside the lab, removing different combinations of genes would be deadly. Those experiments would reveal overlapping groups of genes that are essential for each of these situations. The yeast work also has significance for human cells which share many of the same biological mechanisms. Walhout points out that errors in multiple genes may underlie hereditary diseases that can't be pinpointed to a single causal gene. People with an illness might have constellations of mutations in related pathways. Researchers are only starting to explore such cases. The yeast experiments may help suggest where the causes of human disorders lie. They also make clear that the cell is a system where a handful of small changes can add up to a problem, even if none of the individual changes are harmful by themselves. So what we learn in yeast can provide us with some direction or a reference to understand uh, help us understand how genes work together to modulate uh, essential functions and life in human cells. That's Michael Costanzo, a biologist at the University of Toronto and one of the lead authors of the study. And we don't think that genes work in isolation. So there are obviously many examples of disease, Mendelian diseases where a single mutation in a single gene uh, results in a disease. So those cases would be highly predictive. We think that many common diseases uh, are affected by uh, combinations of mutations, rare mutations in different genes. What we've done is tested all possible double mutant combinations to build this large network and we see many structures in these networks that we think could provide a reference uh, from which we can start to learn rules and principles that might help us to understand or simplify the problem in humans and help us understand how develop rules of how different genes interact. We believe that this will help us uh, simplify the problem or at least provide a guide to start to understand how genes work together to modify complex disease in humans. The team's information has already influenced the direction of basic research. In 2013, Claire Moore, a biochemist at Tufts, got an email from Boone. Moore uses yeast in her lab because it's handy and very well studied. She focuses on a process called polyadenylation, which is where molecules are added to RNA to help get it to its destination in the cell. 
The email she got said that Boone's team had identified a gene that might be involved in polydentylation, and could she check it out for them? She was surprised. She thought they'd identified all the proteins involved in that process. But Boone, Andrews, and their collaborators had found that this gene had very strong connections with those involved in polydentylation. It was a simple matter for Moore to see whether removing it would interfere with the process in her yeast, and it did. They had identified the gene's function just by looking at a database of its relationships and seeing what happened in the lab. Moore says her experience shows the value of the network approach. It opened a whole new direction for the lab that they probably wouldn't have found otherwise. The Toronto researchers are already thinking about another big project, removing trios of genes instead of pairs. Many of their cells with two genes missing didn't show any particular change from normal, but with a third gene removed, more cells will fail. The research group could potentially uncover thousands of new interactions, all in a day's work or a couple of decades. For more on this story, read Veronique Greenwood's full article, Giant Genetic Map Shows Life's Hidden Links, on our website. I'm Karen Chikurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.